And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller again today on News Talk 1190-107.5 FM. Apparently, Pat's producer was not good enough. I mean, they offered to take over the show, and they were shot down. I saw the text messages. I was a part of that email chain or the text chain for some reason. Um, so I'm I'm handling it. So sorry, Pat and his audience. Anyway. Don't forget to get your noise tickets. Lauren Southern coming to town. Special guest going to be on the noise stage with me and John and Laura as we do another panel discussion that we do every single year about a whole host of issues that you guys dictate the show. It's entirely up to you, really, kind of what we talk about. So go to 953mnc.com or thelearner.com and pick up your tickets to noise, and we will see you on November 19th. You believe we're just five days away? We are five days. This is the final push. This is it. If you go to 953mnc.com, you can also get uh, get an opportunity to have dinner with Lauren Southern and myself. I can't speak for her, but I'm great company. I assume she's great company uh, based on my years of being a fan and watching her work. But I guarantee you I'm great company. So make sure you go uh, apply for those as well because we'd love to have you at dinner afterwards at Antonio's. All right. So. Um, let's, let's just start off. I'm going to start off with something kind of funny. I'm going to start off with something kind of sad, and then we're going to get into election realities. And I believe that Senator Josh Hawley listens to my radio program. So let's just start off with the first thing. Elon Musk fired somebody on Twitter and I'm sorry, but this is one of the funniest things ever. So this guy decided to tweet out. Uh, so Elon Musk basically said, by the way, I'd like to apologize for Twitter being super slow in many countries. App is doing greater than 1,000 poorly batched RPCs just to render a home timeline. So this is the the new honcho over at Twitter publicly addressing a problem for many countries, not all, that are experiencing issues with Twitter's app and saying, hey, we're sorry. Something's going on. We're working on it right now. In other words, basically keeping the users who rely on it every single day updated on its current status and that they are aware of said status, and they are working on said status. Um, I, I I tend to like that. Alyssa, do you tend to like when, when companies keep you updated on what's going on if something's wrong? I mean, the power company does it during storms. I, why wouldn't Twitter do it? So anyway, this guy named uh, Eric Fraunhofer, I have spent around six years working on Twitter for Android and could say that this is wrong. Well, he he works for Twitter. Now, last I checked, it's not generally considered wise to criticize your boss publicly. Last I checked. How I'm not fired yet, I don't know, because I rip on John every chance I get. It even led to a big old battle with the Elkhart Library. Did you know that? I was joking about John in the Elkhart Library. Had a hissy fit about it because they thought I was talking about something else. <laughs> I'm just ribbing on the guy. So anyway, uh, somebody else says, I have been a developer for 20 years, and I can tell you that as the domain expert here, you should inform your boss privately. Trying to one-up him in public while he is trying to learn and be helpful makes you look like a spiteful, self-serving dev. Okay? So this is a guy who's got 20 years' experience. Hops on. He's like, eh, take this off the public timeline here, dude. You're, you're, don't do this. Trying to offer some professional advice, right? Well, Mr. Eric responded with, well, maybe Elon Musk should ask questions privately, maybe using Slack or email. Hmm. 
So somebody else tagged Elon Musk, this guy's boss, says, uh, Elon, with, with this kind of attitude, you probably don't want this guy on your team. And Elon Musk responded by saying he's fired. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I just fired the dude. Fired the guy on Twitter. I don't know. Have we ever seen a, a public Twitter firing? Have we ever seen that? I don't know. It has to have happened at some point in time. With all of the outrage mobs and stuff like that, it has to have happened at some point in time. I just don't know that I've ever seen Twitter actually fire one of their own on their timeline. But that happened. So, (laughs) I'm choosing to believe that it is real, okay? I'm not going to track it down and get the guy's employment status or try and interview him or anything like that. I'm too lazy for that. I got more important things to do. But I'm choosing to impart on you at the beginning of this week the glorious news that Elon Musk fired a sniveling snot on the Twitter timeline. Now, we got to move on to something a little bit more serious, and then we'll get into some election update stuff because, oh, man, this thing just continues to be a, a mess. This is an actual headline. Now, for those of you who don't know, there was a, a university shooting, okay? Um, so gunmen had come in there, um, killed a couple of people, wounded a couple more, and it's horrible and it's awful. And while that is in and of itself a story, you know, I tend to not really focus on those too much unless they're breaking news or something of that nature. This is an actual headline with the Washington Post. Suspected UVA gunman had troubled childhood, but then flourished. The entire thing is a puff piece on how great this guy became. Now, I'm I'm sorry, but didn't he just murder some people? Now, if you're dealing with a any kind of a mass public shooting story, okay, if the shooter happens to be a white guy, it is because of racism. And it naturally, even if they're a liberal, they are conservative. If the shooter is not a white guy, it's usually guns that are the problem. We need better gun control. Well, the shooter's not a white guy, okay? And for the Washington Post to do a headline like that, suspected UVA gunman had troubled childhood but then flourished, is kind of beyond bizarre, I think at one point in time, he was referred to as an austere religious scholar or something like that. I, I, don't, I don't understand why that happens, but no, wait, no, that was the, no, they were referencing back to the uh, al-Baghdadi thing. That was, that's what it was. Okay, that makes more sense now. Okay, so al, basically the Washington Post had referred to uh, al-Baghdadi as a, a, an austere religious scholar instead of a terrorist. So that's what was going on in the article. It was written kind of weird. So this guy, you know, he does this horrible crime, he does this horrible thing, and then he's presented as, oh yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was, he was, he was flourishing. No, clearly he was not flourishing. Otherwise, he would not have done what he did. So pretty disgusting headline by the Washington Post, but again, nothing really unusual for the Washington Post to say something stupid. All right, now let's get into the nitty gritty, the good, the bad, the everything in between, and what needs to be done now as far as uh, politics are concerned. So let's let's address this. Uh, Catherine Cortez Masto in my home state of Nevada uh, was reelected or projected to be reelected to Senate. Uh, Laxalt, I don't know that Laxalt has conceded yet. Last time I was able to check, which I apologize, was a couple hours ago. He, I don't think that he had actually conceded yet. Uh, but Catherine Cortez Masto over the weekend was declared the winner in the Nevada Senate race. And, of course, Laxalt had been leading basically this entire time. 
So Nevada slow walks the count. Laxalt suddenly automatically loses. Now, he's ahead by actually a pretty sizable amount. And nobody would call the race. Nobody would call the race. Nobody would call the race. And then the moment that Catherine Cortez Masto took the lead, like that, everybody projected that she was the winner. It was instantaneous. And there is, at the very least, I'm not going to say that there is fraud here, but at the very least, there is some culinary union shenanigans involved because the culinary union put out the word as Clark County, which is where Las Vegas is, was coming back. And they were getting their butts kicked. The Democrats were behind the third-party candidates in Clark County. So if you looked at total percentage of vote in Clark County, Republicans were number one. Third-party candidates were number two in total vote gets. And the Democrats were number three. And the culinary, which everybody who works in a casino or in a business inside of a casino, is basically a member of the culinary union, uh, with few exceptions. The culinary union is by far and away the most powerful entity that is not inside politics politically in the state of Nevada. They hold tremendous power. And they sent out this statement. We did it when it was happening live. Hey, don't wait in line. This is on election day. Don't wait in line. Fill out your ballots and go drop them off at the drop-off locations. That's what they told everybody to do. And the analysis on this was that that would help them, you know, ratchet up those votes pretty darn quick. And, and of course, you got extra chain of custody that happens now. Um, Bongino was just talking about chain of custody. We were telling you about that last week. So just some really, really weird stuff going on in Nevada, particularly in Clark County. Now, for those of you who do not know, it is not a conspiracy theory to say that Clark County has a lot of election shenanigans. Clark County has always had election shenanigans going back to the days of the mafia. And after the mafia, the same people who were in play for the mafia continue those practices. The elections in Clark County, Nevada, are always suspect. It's kind of like Wayne County, Michigan. Whatever the result is, there's a good chance that there was some tomfoolery that was going on. So Catherine Cortez Masto is losing for days. The Democrats can't catch up in Clark County. And the moment, the moment the votes flip to Catherine Cortez Masto, the race is projected for her to win. Like instantaneous. Now, don't remember Lauren Bobart, who pulled ahead, is now the projected winner there. Lauren, Lauren Bobart in Colorado was called an election denier because she did not concede when she was only down less than 60 votes. And of course, she's like, why would I concede? They're not even done counting anything yet. Thousands of votes were still left out there. She was only down by like 60 or something like that. Um, and, of course, they continue to count in Colorado. And Lauren Boebert, sure enough, she's going to win that thing. But they wanted her to concede. And if she did concede, uh, they were, of course, going to call the race. And you don't need to worry about it. She's already conceded. Uh, but the other thing is that, you know, they, they were calling her an election denier simply because she wouldn't concede when the votes hadn't been counted yet. Now, from what I understand, Laxalt is, is you know, considering his options here. but. He had been leading the entire time. So Catherine Cortez Mastos, some, at some point, you know, she comes back. Now, I've already told you all this before. Uh, Catherine Cortez Masto is not well-liked in Nevada. She is the pupil of Harry Reid. She uses bully tactics to get her way. She's well-known for it. She uses the same old Harry Reid playbook. But Laxalt's not very well-liked either. Um, and that's probably hurt him.
quite a bit. Um, I, I hear that he's repaired his reputation somewhat since I've left the, uh, the area, but um, you know, I, I'm sure that some of that hurt. The big thing that hurt Laxalt was that McConnell would not support him and McConnell pulled $10 million from him and wouldn't let the guy actually compete. You know, would that have made a difference? I don't know, but usually money means, means victory. Not all the time, but usually. And the fact that Mitch McConnell didn't back Laxalt probably means that that very, very, very close election swung to the Democrats' favor. Now, beyond that, Joe Lombardo, um, who, again, is, if you ask me, a terrible sheriff in Clark County, he did beat Steve Sisolak for the... Uh, for the uh, the governor's race, and I I I know Steve Sisolak. I have known Steve Sisolak for years. When Steve Sisolak got the Democratic nomination, when I was here, I laughed hysterically. I think I posted a video on it because so I've been in this business for over seventeen years, and I would with regularity run into Steve Sisolak. I never saw Steve Sisolak sober. Ever. Not a single time did I not see that man inebriated. Not once. So when he had his little DUI accident, I'm like, why is everybody shocked? Because the news media is like, this is shocking. The governor caused a car accident. And he might have been inebriated. He's always inebriated. So now now you've got Sheriff Joe Lombardo, um, who is the Republican, but he's he's not real popular. But he did win. So Lombardo, who's not real popular, beat Sisolak, who's really not popular. Catherine Cortez Masto, who's not popular. That's Republican beating a Democrat. Catherine Cortez Masto, who's not popular, beats another guy who's really not all that popular, but more popular than Lombardo. And that's a Democrat beating the Republican in the state of Nevada. Just weird stuff, right? Yet not at this point in time, I'm not telling you that anything fraudulent happened, but nonetheless, just some weird patterns happening in in Nevada and Clark County. But with that said, there are some some uh, victories for the Republicans. We'll get into that. Some positive stuff again over the weekend for Republicans. We'll talk about all that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, and covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, Wawa, 107.5 FM. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. Friendly reminder that if you're in the Fort Wayne listening audience, you want to come on down here, have yourself a good old time. I go to Talk Tank. And Wowo puts on Talk Tank. I always go to Talk Tank and um, always have a good time in there. And it's it's always nice to to get a chance to meet Wowo listeners and hang out with y'all. Why don't you come on down? We got noise. We got Lauren Southern coming to town. Noise is on the 19th here. So you can, you know, drive on down, have a great night, watch noise and hang out with us and other listeners and plot the future and figure out how how the youth can be engaged to the right side and all of that stuff, because that's something that Lauren Southern is focused on, something that I've focused on. But also talking about what happened in the election going forward, but also not just the election, societal issues. And then her documentary films, which are crucial her latest one deals with you know the divide between pro and anti-police and 
everybody left in the middle and and then you have um you know American Mirage which was a, a tremendous documentary about immigration and the awful things that happen to people who try to immigrate to the United States why they try to immigrate to the United States um you know the cartel's involvement in it the crime aspect of it and it's been done from a perspective that's never been seen before Lauren Southern is in my opinion one of the best documentary filmmakers out there She's a, she was a great reporter, she's a great political commentator, and she's a best-selling author and all-around uh, pretty cool person. So looking forward to having her here. She's been at the top of my list of wishful gets since we started Noise seven years ago. So again, go to 953MNC.com, pick up your Noise tickets. You can also go to thelearner.com. But if you go to 953MNC.com, you also have an opportunity to win dinner with Lauren and me. So that'd be nice. Hang out with us and have some really good food. Okay, Um what did I leave off? Oh, yeah. Joe Lombardo, a Republican light, has defeated Steve Sisolak, the Democrat, in Nevada. So that's a Republican pickup, uh, which is expected. And, again, people are pointing out the vote count that's still outstanding when it comes to Nevada and how they called the race for Catherine Cortez Masto for Senate. And Laxalt still has a chance. I know. I get it. I do. I get it. Like I said, he, he's been leading for days. They wouldn't call the race the moment it flipped in her favor. Just like that, they called the race, right? So when we call it a projected race here, just keep in mind that that is potentially, that could change with recounts, lawsuits, that sort of stuff. But also the GOP took a key district away from Democrats in a very, very, very blue state in Oregon. And that was a seat that was heavily Democrat. Yet somehow Oregon's 15th congressional district flipped to the Republicans. Big win. Lots of flipping for the Republicans here. Um, so really, really big, big wins for Republicans on some fronts, but not all of them. And Tudor Dixon, who ran for governor here on the Michigan side of our border, she had some things to say about some people that you've heard me talk about on this show several times. And it's almost like Tudor Dixon listens to the show. And she does. She listens to the show. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, also covered for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. All right, what do we got here? A couple of positive things for the uh, the GOP, and then we're going to get into, well, Josh Hawley. I think he listens to the show. I know that Tudor Dixon's people listen to the show because I think I was the first person in the media to interview her. And for those of you in the Fort Wayne audience who don't know, Tudor Dixon was like 15th in the primary, and her people reached out to me and said, would you be interested in having Tudor Dixon on the show? I'm like, sure. Happy to have any of the candidates on the show. She came on the show, and I got done with that call, 
and I, I spoke to the audience and I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been in this business, in this industry for a long time. I've spoken with a lot of candidates, a lot of prospective candidates. I have never seen a freshman, somebody who's never really done the political thing before. I've never seen one better prepared, and I've never seen a freshman campaign this good. And I meant it. I still mean it. And then we watched Tudor Dixon rise and rise and rise. I told everybody, don't be surprised if she, I, you know, if she has enough time, don't be surprised if she becomes the nominee. And lo and behold, she became the nominee. With some help from some weird chicanery, but uh, it happened nonetheless. And she made the race at least competitive, right? And I, as I told everybody before, you know, I, I, she, she really did. I felt that she had an actual shot in Michigan, but Michigan was always going to Michigan. Right? That's what I always tell people. Michigan's going to Michigan. Um, so before I get into the Tudor Dixon thing, because she had some things to say about some people that you've heard me say some things about before, I do also want to just once again kind of remind everybody that there has been a lot of success with flipping school boards. Massive quantities of school board elections went our way this election. And in Michiana, there was a lot of hard fought school board races. Some of them went very well. Some of them went okay with, you know, putting one person on and that sort of thing. And a couple where there wasn't any success, but you know, by and large, there was progress. And as I said before, you know, progress is progress. So let's look at Tudor Dixon. Normally after a brutal campaign, this is redstate.com, normally after a brutal campaign where you end up on the losing side, most fade away. And as I told you before, did I, did I not say this, Alyssa? Tudor's not going anywhere. I, yeah, she's, she, you can't hear her, but she audibly agreed with me. She didn't even nod her head this time. She, well, she did, but she, she actually said something. So she devoted some energy into it. Yet those that actually care about the very issues they campaigned on stay for the fight. And it looks like she is one of those folks. As I told you before, she's a rising star. Now, I said this about somebody else, too. His name is John James. John James lost two elections, and he's now a congressman because he won this one. And I said, he's not going anywhere. Look out for him. He's going to be. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, running for one of these big races as your, your introduction to everybody is not always the wisest decision in the world. But like I said, I think that Tudor Dixon did better than any other Republican candidate probably could have in this cycle. Red State continues. I have been mostly quiet since the brutal defeat of the Michigan GOP on Tuesday. And quite frankly, the whole state of Michigan suffered and shall suffer more. This is true. While I have been one of the few people preaching to a brick wall for years here that Michigan is a blue state and occasionally turns purple, I've been telling you the same thing, what happened this past Tuesday in a blue wave throughout the whole state even shocked me. I haven't been able to fully process everything that's happened, and while, I'm being, while I've been catching up with people who are involved in multiple campaigns here and trying to find out what happened, I thought that it would be another week before I really started to comment on the full-blown disaster here in the Great Lakes State. Now, this is Duke, who is uh, writing for Red State, but is based in Michigan. Whitmer won by a runaway margin here, and Michigan House and the Michigan Senate both flipped to Democrat control. In fact, the Michigan Senate had been held by Republicans for darn near 40 years, and it was lost in the blink of an eye. 
Most commentators and writers were always quick to snap judgments, put the blame on the fact that abortion was the main issue here, and I do agree with that. However, you might think that those in the party apparatus usually take a little bit longer to assess what happened and how it happened. They're supposed to be the pros that we all look to and try to figure out how to win. Not here in Michigan, though. All right, so my longtime listeners here, how many years have you heard me say the most inept political party in this country is the Michigan Republican Party? And I am, you know, while I'm sad that I don't have the property that I was going to buy in Niles, Michigan a couple of years ago, I am thrilled that I escaped Michigan when I did. Because the things that it could have done to us by being stuck in Michigan would have been very, very bad. So now we take a look at this. Tudor Dixon posted something on Facebook. This is the perfect example of what is wrong with the Michigan Republican Party. It's an issue of leadership. Ron Weiser, Michonne Maddox, Paul Cordes, all refuse to take ownership for their own failures. It's easy to come out and point fingers now, but the truth is they fought against me every step of the way and put the entire ticket at risk. We need fresh leadership at the Michigan Republican Party or Republicans will never have a voice in Michigan again. Our state party failed on let Michigan kids learn and secure Michigan vote because of their failure. We now have Prop 2. We have to do better than this current incompetent leadership. All right, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to take a step back from the microphone. Just going to applaud this. And again, um, I do not believe that Tudor Dixon got this opinion from me. I believe that she arrived at this opinion on her own. But I think that there's probably a lot of people on the Michigan side of the border who felt that I was too tough on the Michigan GOP. Over these past several years. Why? Because I keep getting your emails. No, no, we're, we're fighting a good fight. We're, no, you're not. There are good people in the Michigan Republican Party who are trying. But they have no influence. They have no power yet. <laughs> yet. So Paul Cordes, the chief of staff for the Michigan GOP, he basically sent this thing out and... <laughs> He says, it seems nearly impossible to imagine drawing up a more challenging position for ourselves coming out of the August primary. Following the August primary, Tudor Dixon advanced as the gubernatorial nominee, but was relatively unknown with low name ID and was an untested candidate. Dixon's campaign had no money, no statewide operations, and was attempting to transition from three weeks of working for and receiving an endorsement from Donald Trump into a general election audience with a more unfavorable opinion of the former President Trump than President Joe Biden. So basically, Paul Cordes goes out there and is like, yeah, Tudor, nobody knew who she was, and that's why we lost. And then they go into the abortion thing and everything else. No, dude. You did. Here's the thing, okay? This is the reality check that people in Michigan, Republicans in Michigan and Berrien County already know what I'm about to say. But just in case there's anybody else out there in any other portion of the state, or if you know somebody in any portion of the state, who's in Republican Party leadership in the state of Michigan or whatever, maybe you'll be hearing this for the very first time. The only reason that Governor Whitmer is in power is because of the ineptness of the Michigan Republican Party, which, for the record, is legendary, widely reported, and well-known. 
Now, did I have some criticisms about Tudor Dixon's campaign strategy? Yes. Do I understand why she campaigned the way that she did? Absolutely. But I still feel like there were missed opportunities with the Benton Harbor situation. I still feel like Tudor Dixon, and maybe this is just her personality, was too nice. And Gretchen Whitmer's not nice. And her supporters are not nice. And her administration is not nice. And her attorney general is one of the worst people in, in all of America today. Barring, you know, murderers and stuff. If the Michigan Republican Party had taken my advice the last gubernatorial election, there's a good chance Whitmer isn't even governor. But marijuana was going to be legalized in Michigan. There was nothing the GOP could do about it. It was going to happen. It had already been done. The question on the ballot was whether or not it was going to be the ballot initiative as it was written being the law or if the Republican Party was going to be able to make changes to what was voted on and then legalize marijuana in their own way. But there was only going to be one outcome, and that was legalized marijuana in the state of Michigan. There was no getting around it. That was already codified. The question was, what were the rules going to be as it was legalized? And I told them I was pounding the desk repeatedly for months, legalize it through the legislature, change whatever rules you have concerns about, because the Michigan GOP is like, well, we don't like this provision of it. Okay, well, then legalize it and strip that provision out, which you have the power to do. But instead, what they did is they let it go to the ballot and they, after ineptly defending Governor Snyder for a lead problem in Flint that was not his fault, they let it go to the ballot and all of those young people came in. They voted to legalize marijuana and elected Gretchen Whitmer. That's what happened. We saw the data. We analyzed the data. We brought it out. The Michigan Republican Party is the only reason that Governor Whitmer is even elected. And the Michigan Republican Party's failures to combat Whitmer and her tyranny, straight up, actual, literal tyranny in that state, is the reason, is the reason that they now have no control at all in the state of Michigan. They failed everybody. And throwing Tudor Dixon under the bus, when frankly, she was the best possible candidate you could have had this time around. And I know that there are others in this audience who feel like there are other candidates more ideologically aligned with them. I'm talking about a pure electability campaigning perspective. There was nobody even remotely close on the Republican side to Tudor Dixon's campaign, period. I watched them. I looked at them. I was following them. They were nowhere near her caliber of quality. Not that they aren't good people with great ideas who have a place. They just didn't have it put together to fight somebody like Governor Whitmer. Tudor did. And you can say that that was the DeVos family or whatever you want. doesn't really matter. She's the only one that had it. She had the it factor, okay? It. And she proved it. But she's not the reason that, that Whitmer was reelected. The Michigan Republican Party's failure to fight her tooth and nail. The incessant amount of recall efforts that were lobbed against Gretchen Whitmer for breaking the law, violating her own state constitution repetitively, and then just vanishing and not being filed again. 
They were all just lip service. They were never serious. They were never real efforts. The Michigan GOP has been playing a stupid little game. And I think the Michigan GOP is playing this game because they actually want Tudor Dixon in office, or uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer in office. They don't want Tudor Dixon in office. And I think some of the photos that we have seen with some of the people who um, allegedly were at war with Gretchen Whitmer, you know, posing with her and hanging out with her and stuff like that. Maybe maybe they're buddy-buddy. Kind of like Boehner and Obama were golf buddies, and I kept telling you that for years, and I kept getting called a conspiracy theorist for that until it was finally proven after Boehner had retired. I think that there's a lot of people in the Republican Party leadership that are big fans of Gretchen Whitmer. I think they like what she's doing. Or at the very least, they have some ties to each other that are not involved in politics. And it's in their personal best interest to keep Whitmer in office. That's what I think. So I told you that Tudor Dixon was not going to go away. And I'm not going to lie. This looked like a shot across the bow by Tudor Dixon against the Michigan GOP for her to take over that party. And there's a there's an avenue open for her if she wants to try and do that. If Tudor Dixon were to take over the Michigan GOP, I've seen this happen in other states where a weak party suddenly becomes strong because the right person who ran for office and lost said, okay, I can't win because the party backing me in the state is too weak, so I'm going to take over the party, and then we'll start getting people elected. I've seen it happen many times, and I wouldn't be surprised if Tudor does that in the state of Michigan. But maybe the GOP just needs to be killed off and rebuilt with something else. Senator Josh Hawley thinks so. We'll talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190. Well, 107.5 FM. I wish that clean industrial office operated at the political level because then they could go to Michigan and they could clean up the mess that is on the floor of that state known as the Michigan GOP. But they can't. What they can do is they can help you with your office environment. So whether or not you need to have your you know office cleaned, your medical office, your warehouse, whatever you need done, clean industrial office can take care of that for you. They are experts, family-owned business. And again, if you are looking for a cleaning crew that's going to come in, clean up, do what they're supposed to do, not miss anything, and you don't have to micromanage or babysit them or constantly call them back because they miss something critical, Clean Industrial Office is the place for you. Go to cleanindustrialoffice.com, set up an appointment, have them come on out, do a quote for you. And if they miss something, when they do come out and, and clean, if they do miss something, you can call them up, they'll come back, they'll take care of it for you for free, and they'll even bring you donuts. CleanIndustrialOffice.com. Do me a favor. Let them know I sent you. All right. uh, Senate Republican has declared that his party is dead. And it's time for something new. After a string of deflating midterm losses ensured Democrats will control the Senate for at least another two years. Um, That still, I mean, that's the tentative assumption here, but that remains to be seen officially. This is uh, Senator Josh Hawley, who who basically blamed all of this on Mitch McConnell. Said their their leadership was the reason that this all went down. And he's 
got very, very valid points. Now, you've heard me say this before. And, and by the way, I'm about to say something. I'm talking about a stereotype here. I'm not talking about actual people who are members of a country club because I like country clubs. I am not a member of a country club, but I give a lot of talks on country clubs, and I like them, and I don't have anything against anybody who belongs to a country club. But the idea of the country club Republican Party, it's dead. It doesn't exist anymore. And I think that that is a good thing. You know, the old stereotype of that, well, Republicans are just country club rich folk. That's obviously not true. It's never been true, but it is definitely not true now. The country club party is certainly the Democrats. They're the ones who are the rich, the powerful, the big-time stockbroker type people. That's not Republicans. Republicans are small business, working class, generally. Okay, Not all the time, but generally. So when Josh Hawley says that, all I hear is, yes, I've been saying this for a long time. This is good news. This is great. This is what we we need. Um, So he says the Washington Republicanism lost big on Election Day because of failed priorities. And he says, when your agenda is to cave to Big Pharma on insulin, cave to uh, the Democrat Senate Majority Leader on gun control and Green New Deal infrastructure stuff and tease changes in Social Security and Medicare right before the election, by the way, you lose. And he's right. Because unlike Democrats, Republicans will not show up for people that they don't believe in. Democrats will show up no matter what because they're the less of two evils. Republicans, if they don't like you, they just won't show up. Now, they didn't necessarily happen, but it did happen in some places. And he's got very, very valid points, and and he's got a lot of them. I can't go through all of it because of time's constraints, but I'll put it in the Daily Show prep. If you have not read Josh Hawley saying the GOP is dead, it's time for something new, you need to. Because it's accurate. And it's not meant in the way that you might take it initially. Read what he wrote because it's extremely important, especially going forward. Go to 953MNC.com, whether you're in the MNC or the WoWo audience. Get your tickets to Noise. Lauren Southern's coming to town on November 19th, just five days away. 953MNC.com. More coming up next. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right. Uh, What do we got here? Lots of stuff. We're going to talk about some teachers who got fired. And I I think the story, these stories are all a little interesting. But this one in particular, I think, is interesting because I can tie it back to a couple of local stories that we have here uh, in Indiana, particularly this listening area. I'm covering for Pat Miller today. On News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. Uh, don't forget, you can go and and get your tickets to Noise. Lauren Southern coming to town in five days. Just five days. You're down to your last five days to get tickets. Technically, four days if you want to get it at the price that is lower than getting it at the door. So go to 953MNC.com. Get your tickets to Noise today. All right. Uh, what do we have here? Married teachers filmed their OnlyFans content in their elementary school classroom. And they're super surprised that they got fired for it. They're, like, shocked and stuff. They did a whole video and everything else. And uh, I'm not going to play you the video, but I'll read, like, an excerpt from the transcript of the video. (laughs) I 
it's just I don't the modern era of what people think they can do. We started the show today with somebody who criticized his boss, who happens to be Elon Musk, publicly by saying that his boss was lying about a known issue and complaint that is happening with Twitter. And then he got fired on Twitter. And now we've got these two. A teacher couple filmed their sex work in a classroom that they worked in. So now they've been fired. This happened in Arizona. Teachers Samantha and Dylan Peer were employed by the Lake Havasu Unified School District. Students found there, students found there, hey, Alyssa, just in case people forget, if they call up and they, they want to know, students found their OnlyFans content online. Not parents, not coworkers, students. It's almost like if you're a teacher and you post pornography, that it'll be found by your students. Have I have I made this this point before? I feel like I've made this point before. But let's pause briefly here because, you know, again, students found the content and that's how they got exposed for making, you know, adult movies inside the classroom that they taught those kids. So we had a, a teacher here who decided that she was going to get an OnlyFans and start doing OnlyFans content as a teacher. And then as a teacher with public social media profiles on Facebook and Instagram and what have you, the teacher promoted her OnlyFans on her publicly available and accessible social media profiles. So if you were looking for your teacher online, you found your teacher on Instagram, you would find out that your teacher made adult material on OnlyFans. And then you could go do what you do with OnlyFans. Or you could find a Reddit with the content from OnlyFans. Which is why, if you're going to do it, you shouldn't be promoting it on your public social media. That was the entire point of that story. I know she wants you to believe it's sexist. I don't care that she makes OnlyFans. I don't care that she does that. I don't even care if she moonlights as an OnlyFans content creator my issue with the teacher who is doing this who's now been fired my issue with the teacher who was doing it was that she was promoting her pornography on her publicly accessible social media profiles where her students could find it and then what did you have you had a band teacher right or band coach a band coach who posted gay porn on their twitter for their students to find and they got rehired, by the way, by the by the school board. So ni- nice to know. Were they a good band coach? I, maybe. Probably. Doesn't matter. The issue was the content. The stuff that they were posting that was accessible to kids. So this is a couple. These are two teachers who make OnlyFans content in the classroom, and their students found it. Well, now they've been fired. And, of course, Samantha made a whole video about how bad this is that, oh, my gosh, what are they going to They're going to ruin our lives. Ah, my children are the most important thing to me. And I'm already spending countless hours outside of my contract time on, on extra school activities. And I don't think it's fair that I have to sacrifice my own children's time because our professional salary did not pay enough. Okay. The first thing that we have to address here 
are teachers' salaries. Now, keep in mind, I am just purely going by national averages here. Okay, I understand that many of you who are in the educational profession are going to be making less than that. But on average, on average, in the United States of America, teachers make more money than the average person does. By like five grand. Last I checked, it was about $5,000. The average teacher in the U.S. makes about $5,000 more than the average other person. Okay? Now, is that universal? Absolutely not. In some places like New York, Los Angeles, Clark County, Nevada, teachers make a lot more than everybody else by like wide margins. We're talking 20, 30,000 or more than the average person in their state. In some places, Indiana, I would include in that. Do they start teacher salaries off pretty low? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know that going in? Yep. If you don't want to be a teacher and you don't want to pay your dues for the first few years before you get into your, your full-time salary and stuff, then maybe that isn't the profession for you. And for the record, don't make adult movies in your classroom. It's not about even making the adult movies. You did it at school. At school. Oh, but the kids weren't there. You did it at school. Look, I don't know any employer out there who would be okay with their employees coming in after hours and filming an adult movie. Now, if you get permission, that's one thing. But I don't know any employer who would be, like, okay with their faculty just doing that without getting permission. Certainly not on a public school campus. You know, it's interesting that she says, my children are the most important thing to me. Obviously, they're not. Uh, money is. Um, not saying that that's necessarily wrong. I'm just, obviously, money is. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done this. The National Education Association just recently uh, tweeted out, I don't know if you guys saw this over the weekend, that nobody loves kids, your kids, more than us. Now, I'm pretty sure the parents love the kids more than you. Heck, most people's third cousin loves the uh, the student more than the National Education Association does. But I digress. So this lady made adult content in a classroom, and she expects you to feel sorry for her because... They got fired. Think about this. This is <laughs> the amount of tone-deaf nonsense that's coming out of these folks' mouths is just is crazy. I could draw some another another analogy, but this is we're trying to be at least somewhat a family-friendly show. Uh, the big deal is that one of the images was allegedly her posing in a sexual position on her teacher's desk. At least one student came across the content and said, hey, that desk looks familiar, followed by, hey, that teacher looks familiar. So if you're one of these folks who's like, well, how did the kid find the content then? I guess you need to sit down and have a discussion with somebody on how the internet works. Because I run, it's amazing how many younger type people I run into on this, usually people who are groomers and pro-child porn and pro-porn in the classroom that is not age-appropriate and that sort of stuff. Um, it usually, it's those types of people like, well, how did they get on OnlyFans then? Because it's the internet, and that's how the internet works. And pretty sure it was the left wing of the country who fought against the .XXX domain. Pretty sure. This is... um. This, I, I wish I could say that this was unusual, but it's not unusual because we keep running into people who do OnlyFans, which I'm not against. If, if you want to do OnlyFans as a consenting adult, 
you do OnlyFans. But if you're a teacher, you cannot be putting this stuff where your kids are going to notice it. And you certainly can't be doing this at your place of employment without their permission, which certainly a school would not allow that. If a school did allow that, then a whole lot of people need to be fired. But imagine the, the ego of somebody hopping onto a video and going, oh, it's not fair that my kids have to suffer now that I, I, I could not find anywhere else to make my movies. I had to do it in my classroom where your sweet little angels are sitting down to learn. Hmm. My children are the most important thing to me. Did you sanitize the desks and chairs after you were done in that classroom? Just asking for a friend. If they're the most important things to you, I'm just wondering if you actually sanitized the place that you forced those students to sit at every day after you were done doing what you were doing behind the camera. In front of the camera, I should say. Just uh, just asking questions. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, also covering for Pat Miller. Um, collectively, sorry, Pat. <laughs> Poor Pat. Sorry, Pat. I, I, look, I gave you Friday. Well, no, Friday I was bad, too. I gave you Thursday. I think Thursday I was okay. I don't think I had to apologize to Pat on Thursday, but I did on, on Friday. So, sorry, sorry, Pat. But it's an important topic. Covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. More coming up. Hey everybody, Casey Hendrickson here. Let's uh, figure out how you're going to exploit some professional athletes and make a couple of scratch dollars here on FanDuel Sportsbook. Now, here's the thing. Um, tonight's game, I've got a same-game parlay for you. And if, look, if you want to build a different same-game parlay, that's fine. I just have some recommendations, all right? So here's what I'm thinking. Jalen Hurts over rushing yards. A.J. Brown to score a touchdown any time in the game. And Brian Robinson to have over rushing yards. That's what I'm, that's what I'm assuming is going to happen. But you can build your same game parlay however you want. You can even pick from one of the same game parlays that are pre-done for you in the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is entirely up to you. And don't forget, they have live betting. So if you're watching the game and you're going, this is not going how I thought, but I see a trend that I like, you can log into FanDuel and you can actually place a bet in the middle of a game. Right now, new customers can get $150 in free bets, whether you win or lose, with my promo code and that is promo code Casey. Once again, promo code Casey, C-A-S-E-Y. And remember, you must be 21 or over and present in Indiana. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you have a gambling problem, please get help. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. All right, what do we got here? This is a listener who sent me a message on Rumble. Go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. And by the way, I want to congratulate Rumble on Election Day. Uh, Steven Crowder, who was banned from YouTube, 
excuse me, from YouTube before Election Day coverage, had a million people at one point watching his stream. Huge day for Rumble. Rumble's numbers continue to go. They just broke a record. Before Election Day, they broke a record. Um, and if you're going to be watching news or political content, uh, Rumble is the place to do it. If you are a creator of news or political content, then Rumble is the place for you to do it. And you can set it up in a way that you can upload to, to Rumble. It will automatically go to your YouTube channel. And then what I do is I have an additional step where my YouTube channel is automatically backed up to Odyssey. So it's I have a, a extra redundancy built in there just in case. So you can do that, but you should be on Rumble anyway. Rumble.com slash Casey the host. And so John on my live stream says, Casey, I called both of my senators today saying not to support Mitch McConnell. Both said that more people need to call their senators. I was the first from my county to call. Very supportive of what I was saying. So take that as a lesson. Wherever you are, obviously most of you are going to be in Indiana and Michigan, but not all of you. Wherever you are, take the time, call your senators and say, uh, don't support Mitch McConnell. Your Republican senators, obviously. Don't support Mitch McConnell. You shouldn't be leading the, uh, the Republican Party. So whether it's in a minority or majority status doesn't really matter. Don't support Mitch McConnell. So do that because apparently the, uh, the staff was very receptive to that. And look, there's going to be a lot of, of insider baseball happening here that you're not privy to, that I'm not privy to. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into somebody who seems to be ideologically opposed to someone. For example, Jim Jordan enthusiastically endorsing um, McCarthy <clears throat> doesn't seem to make sense because Jim Jordan and McCarthy are not aligned politically. So there's going to be some things that are happening behind the scenes that will dictate that stuff. But we have a, a potentially very interesting story about that a little bit later on in the program today. So I don't know if you heard the $2 billion Powerball was hit. It, it got hit by, I think, a single individual, right? Just one person in California got it. Uh, while spending a few bucks on Powerball or Mega Million tickets just to be in the game, uh, fools who re regularly spend hundreds of dollars or more chasing massive payouts after massive payout are a different story. How how else uh, do you say that? So the reason that they bring this up is, you know, the average person, you might get a lottery ticket here and there just in case you get lucky, right? And you just see it as, all right, it's just, uh, you know, it's it's a little little expense, like a recreational expense. Uh, playing the lottery is called a poor tax for a reason because a lot of under underprivileged individuals spend a lot of money trying to strike it big. And you're likely never going to win that thing. But if you do win it, it's life-changing, right? It's life-altering. It's life-changing. It's a big deal. And you don't necessarily have to win the big jackpot. Now, the reason that I bring this up is because you get somebody who wins the $2 billion lottery, right? And But they're in California. So really in California, I'm going to assume that they, they drive a gasoline car. So really in California, they functionally have like, what, $30,000 to spend over the next year after winning $2 billion. So they, they won 30 grand. It, it would be, you know, maybe a billion or close to a billion, a little bit under a billion everywhere else. But in, in California, they got 30 grand. So CNN decided to hop onto this. And instead of doing the normal news take on, wow, one individual won over $2 billion, and then breaking down the taxes and how much they would actually get if they took the 
installment versus the lump sum and everything else and all of that nonsense. <clears throat> um, they, they didn't do that. They decided to point out that the Powerball and that recent $2 billion payout, $2.04 billion payout, um, was actually systemically racist. And it targeted poor black and brown communities across America. Because poor white people don't play the lottery, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't. Okay. It's look, look at CNN, right? It's one of the, it's just another one of those. Uh, and the latest, uh, latest thing that is racist, you know, looks at, looks at Rolodex, rolls dice, whatever. Oh, it's the lottery. The lottery is racist. Yeah. Well, if you don't have a lot of money, you probably shouldn't be playing a lot of the lottery. There's nothing wrong with, you know, throwing a couple of bucks at it here and there and hoping you get lucky. But yeah, you probably don't want to invest a lot in it. But that's kind of a poor, poor person thing or a lower income thing, I should say. Um, not necessarily a racist thing, but you know, it's CNN. So they got to do what CNN's got to do. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, 1017.5 FM. Everybody, Casey Hendrickson here for XFOG. I was watching a video, true stories, watching a video over the weekend, and it was an airsoft player, and he was reviewing a product. And this product purported to get rid of the fog on your safety goggles. So, again, this is for airsoft players, but it applies to everybody. And this thing literally was a little sponge. It was a circle. It was like the size of a nickel. Okay, It was a little sponge that had a magnet on the back end of it, and then the front of it had another magnet. So you could move the magnet on the outside of your lens and it would wipe the inside of your lens the other way. Now, all I could think of was how horribly inefficient this was. And if the magnet disengaged at some point in time, you're going to have that thing that is now next to your eyeball fly into your eye. Now, my assumption is that something flying into your eyeball probably doesn't feel very good given my past experiences of very uncomfortable things flying into my eye. All I could think of when I was looking at this is don't put your eyes in jeopardy here. Just go to xfog.com. You go to exfog.com, use promo code KC, you save 10%. So whether you wear safety glasses or goggles for recreational purposes like Airsoft, or if you're in a work environment where you have to protect your eyesight, or if you're in a medical environment, you have to wear safety glasses and goggles for safety reasons as well. You're probably dealing with fogging lenses. Xfog gets rid of fogging lenses. It's extremely affordable, long-lasting. You won't even know the thing is on there. No chemicals, nothing like that, and it works. Every time, go to xfog.com, promo code Casey. I'm trying to decide if I'm just a terrible coworker or if we're being gaslit by corporate FedMed. And this would apply to everybody in the Fort Wayne audience, too, because I know a bunch of you work for WoWo. I'm just, so we're doing our, our air quote here, annual carry-in. Now, my first response to that is, 
what's a carry-in? I've never heard of a carry-in before. And Alyssa, who's a lot younger than I am, had to explain to me that a carry-in was where you carry in food and then everybody eats said food. And I said, so a potluck. <laughs> she said, yeah. So why didn't we just call it a potluck? What? <laughs> like, has potluck been replaced with a carry-in? Am I, I don't know. I'm missing something here. And not that I'm I'm critical. I love it when our company does events like this. They're always fun. I almost never get to participate, but um, it's always nice when they do things. And FedMed does go out of their way to do events like that. And, and that's one of the good things about working for this company. Um, so the, the carry-in, it's our annual carry-in. Alyssa, I've never heard of this. I have been here for over 11 years. I have never heard of this event. <laughs> so... Now, am I saying that this is the first year that it's happened? No. My assumption is that they've been doing it all 11 years, and I have not known whether it was because I was unable to attend because of my schedule, which happens a lot with my being in the afternoon. Happens to Pat, too, but Pat is more social than I am, so he invites people to his house. I don't. I don't want you at my house. Um, Pat is just, you know, that kind of awesome dude. Whereas eh, me, not so much. I will come to you. I don't want you to come to me. And so I don't know if this is an annual event. Do you know if this is an annual event? Or have you heard of this? You've been here for over a year. Have you heard of this before? You've what? Uh, you've never been full-time, though, so you may not know. That's a good qu- I don't know. Now, right about now, somebody is going to be frantically sending me a message about how horrible of an employee I am because they do this every single year, and this has been a long-running thing probably for 30 years, and I've never known about it for the 11 years that I've worked for the company. So, but by the time I get here, like we just did a, um, we did uh, uh, another potluck type thing. What was that one called again? Do you remember that one? The one that just did like two weeks ago? Yeah, I don't remember what it's called, but but that one I remember because that one's one that we do every single year. And there's like a cooking, con- it's like a crock pot thing. It's a cook, crocktober. There we go. And there's always a contest. Now that one I know about. Okay, that one I remember. But by the time I walk into the door sometimes, like, everybody's cleaned up and it's all gone. So they do all of this before we get to work. <laughs> so it's probably one of those annual events that just happens before we get here. Um, it's entirely possible. We are a bit of an on an island here just with the schedule that we have. But I don't know. It was just, has anybody heard of carry-in? Like, to me, that sounds like, it sounds like what you would say if you forgot the words potluck. Like somebody's trying to think of the words potluck, but they can't think of the words. So they, you know, where you, where you carry in food and stuff, that thing. Somebody did suggest on the live stream that that might be a Canadian saying. And I don't know, maybe, maybe some Canadian came work for the company and said, oh yeah, we don't call it potluck. We call it uh, carrying or something like that. I don't know. And it's stuck. So there we go. I'm probably a terrible coworker. It's likely that I'm a terrible coworker. Let's be honest. Okay. What do we have here? Um, <clears throat> So, yeah, CNN said that the uh, the lottery was racist. We did that. Okay, thank God. We already did that one. I don't have to talk about that anymore. Um, well, this is going to surprise a lot of you, all right? And I think that this is, this is going to be very shocking. I don't know how you're all going to cope with this because this is just not something that could have been anticipated or predicted in any way, shape, or form. Two things, really, but the first one especially – According to the Inspector General, about half of all COVID relief money 
has been lost to fraud and government waste. I know. Who would have thought that this was possible? How could we lose about $400 billion that was meant to be unemployment relief to fraudsters and government waste? How? If only there was a person on the radio whose name rhymed with Macy who would have told everybody that we were going to lose half, if not, I believe my exact phraseology was half or most of it <laughs> would be lost to fraud and waste. If only, if only we had a guy. <laughs> oh, man. It's, you have, look, you have to laugh because we're all going down in a giant ball of fire and you might as well have some fun taking your, your, uh, your predictions with you as much as $400 billion in COVID unemployment relief dollars were likely lost to waste and fraudsters, according to the inspector general. And, and naturally the same lawmakers who voted for it want answers, right? Let me guess. And I'm probably going to get into this tomorrow. I don't know if I'll have time today. Those same lawmakers totally didn't know that your tax dollars was getting laundered in Ukraine too, right? I, I'm sure that they didn't know that. If only somebody else whose name had rhymed with Macy had told you that the Ukraine funding operation was a giant money laundering scam, I don't know, about a year ago. Uh, Republicans on the House Ways and Means Committee sent a letter to the U.S. Department of Labor demanding documents and information related to the unemployment fraud. Since the summer of 2020, repeated alerts from federal law enforcement agencies warned of targeted efforts involving organized cybercrime foreign actors and international crime rings using stolen identities of American citizens to obtain fraudulent unemployment benefits. Fraud estimates range from from $80 billion to as much as $400 billion, which is nearly half of all of the COVID-19 unemployment aid. The Department of Labor's Inspector General released a report back in October showing that fraud varied by state but was significant nationwide. One of the worst states for that, by the way, was Michigan. Good thing that they reelected their governor, right? Or reselected their governor, however you want to look at it. We found ETA and states did not ensure pandemic-related UI funds were paid only to eligible individuals promptly. What? Now, something else that happened in the state of Michigan. And I'm only saying this because it was right next door and Michigan was such a cluster. Michigan overpaid unemployment benefits and then was basically sending a bill to everybody and said you had to give the money back. Remember that? And that was something that was done a lot under the Obama administration with uh, the way that they did their their uh, tax policies. They would pretend that your taxes were lower, but actually your taxes were not lower, and then it would send you a bill. Of the four states that we tested from March 2020 through September 2020, we estimated $30.4 billion of the $71.7 billion in PUA and FPUC benefits were paid improperly. So it's about 42.4%, according to the Inspector General report. Uh, we estimated $9.9 billion of that was paid to likely fraudsters, which is 13.8%. Notably, in those four states, one in $5 initially paid to PUA benefits went to likely fraudsters. Youch. The Ways and Means ranking member, Kevin Brady, Republican of Texas, and Brad Winstrup, Republican of Ohio, sent the letter to the uh, DOL asking the question, this is the Department of Labor DOL, um, how could this happen? I don't know. How does it happen? 
Who wants to tell? I know that they they probably know the answer, but who wants to tell somebody who's genuinely confused about how this happens, how it actually happens? Anybody? I will say this again without saying it. You're speaking of Maxine Waters in particular, but she's only one example. You don't go to Congress as a seamstress and a aide, low-level aide in a local election office and then become a millionaire with just your salary. That's, that's not how these things work. The lack of a sufficient response and action from the administration to date is disappointing and unacceptable, the letter said. Yeah, you think? So. <laughs> uh, it's about half of all COVID aid. Just, you know, lost, fraud, waste. There's been there's been a lot of arrests, though. A lot of people who are arrested for uh, COVID fraud. That's been happening uh, quite a bit. I mean, that's good that they're catching people, but at the same time, money's still gone. It's vanished. It's vanquished. Probably, you know, invested in uh, FTX crypto and sent to Ukraine to be laundered. But, you know, that's just a guess. We got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, and covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, WOA 107.5 FM. Hey, everybody, Casey Hendrickson here. I'm going to tell you how to be a better parent. Lie to your children and deceive them. Hide things in their food. This is the best way for you to be a good parent. Look, a lot of kids don't want to eat vegetables. We've all been there as as parents. You know, a kid just will not eat vegetables. They go from this weird phase where they will literally suck down any grommet of food that is put in front of them to being very picky eaters. And, of course, they don't want to eat any of the healthy stuff. So you've got to find creative ways of getting fruits and veggies, yeah, usually just veggies, into their diet. Balance of Nature has been a great parental life hack for me. So you go to balanceofnature.com, and you order the fruits and veggies. And then what you do is you make your kids the normal stuff that they like, but you bust open some of the veggie capsules, just one or two. Bust open the veggie capsules, and that powder gets mixed into the food. And they don't even realize it, but they're eating vegetables. They can't taste it. They can't see it. They don't know it's happening, but they're getting all the vitamins and nutrients all of those minerals that they are missing from their, you know, uh, overly processed food diet that they're consuming on a regular basis, and you have the peace of mind of knowing that you are deceiving your child to a better health. Go to balanceofnature.com, use promo code LAURA, L-A-U-R-A, and you will save 35% today. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Okay. Um, also coming for Pat Miller, too, on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. I don't want to forget about the Fort Wayne audience out there. So let's talk about a couple of things with COVID. Not going to spend a ton of time on it. Just, uh, just a couple of things with COVID. Just because we got these updates, and as the truth starts to surface and people are unable to run away from it, So the United Kingdom's government has confirmed that one in 310 boosted individuals has died within 48 days of being vaccinated. I remember all the data like this that come out comes from the government. The Office of National Statistics 
in the UK, which is the National Statistical Institute there, um, they published a, a horrific data on those who took the COVID booster shots. The data shows that one in 310 boosted individuals died within 48 days of vaccination. And of course, the vaccines do not prevent infection transmission, nor do they prevent death. Um, there is some evidence that suggests that they actually weaken the immune system and make it more likely for you to get that infection and others. And that's something that doesn't really get discussed an awful lot in our media, but it should. Now, let me give you another example here. Of course, we just we had a couple of athletes you know, pass away. Um, we had an MMA fighter, uh, Anthony Johnson. He passed away, but he had been fighting an undisclosed illness. We don't know what that was. Uh, Olympic athlete Genevieve Florence, who's 24 years old, is barely functional after the Pfizer vaccine. I wanted to end my life is the, uh, the quote from the video. Now, she's a British actress, Olympic athlete. She trained 10 hours a day, six days a week as a synchronized swimmer. However, after receiving her first Pfizer vaccine injection during the summer of 2021, the healthy, thriving 24-year-old became unable to function or care for herself. The side effect grew so exacerbating, she began to contemplate whether she should end her life. Her decision to receive the uh, controversial vaccine was due to the film industry's mandatory requirement to work. Quote, I immediately regretted it as soon as she put it in my arm. I just thought, well, what have I done? And uh, she uh, is a part of a documentary called Safe and Effective, A Second Opinion. But her story is not unique, particularly with young athletes. Now, here's more data as well. An Israeli study found that antibody levels after a fourth dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine returned to similar levels as after the third dose after about four months. Now, you've got, I mean, it's fine that they're studying this, and, and I think that's great that they're studying this stuff. But the CEO of Pfizer himself has said you're lucky to get two months of anything out of the vaccines or boosters. The study conducted among healthcare workers at the Sheba Medical Center, the largest hospital in Israel, found that the immunological protection of the fourth dose was much smaller and had waned completely by 13 weeks after vaccination. It found, quote, no substantial additional effectiveness over a third dose at 15 to 26 weeks after vaccination. The authorities concluded that these findings suggest the fourth dose and possible future boosters should be timed wisely to coincide with disease waves, or to be available seasonally similar to the influenza vaccine. Now, that's if you don't have a sad little man like Fauci running around and telling you, no, 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 you just need to get one every four four weeks now, or four months. Every three to four months, you get get another one of these things, not seasonally, because Fauci has suggested that. The six-month follow-up study was published in the New England Journal of Medicine on November 9th. The study led by Dr. Uh, Mikkel Canetti and Dr. Gili Regev Yoche. I'm sorry, butchering, butchering names. The head of the Infection Prevention and Control Unit at Sheba. Uh, in other words, uh, knows more than some 20-year-old Twitter fact-checker. Followed employees who did not fall ill before the study, beginning in December of 2021, to July of 2022. That was when the Omicron variant was dominant in Israel. So the researchers tested the immune response of 6,113 employees and performed a monthly follow-up of the antibody levels in their blood. 
In addition, they performed a vaccine effectiveness analysis of 11,176 employees after the second, third, and fourth doses. This is not a small study by any stretch of the imagination. This is, this is actually very large. The weekly levels of antibody throughout the period after the receipt of the third or fourth doses were found to be similar, and the study said were higher than after receiving the second dose. Now, friendly reminder, because I've already told you this, the number of antibodies in your body does not in any way, shape, or form affect your immunology. This is critical. This is still a narrative that's floating around. It's even in this study here that the more antibodies you have, the more immune you are. That is not true. That's not what that means. Effectiveness of the fourth dose against infection started at just 52% during the first five weeks after administration and dropped to negative 2%, negative 2% at 15 to 26 weeks, negative 2%. Wouldn't that mean that you're more likely to get COVID if you're negative 2%? A growing number of studies have uh, detected negative effectiveness, which means the the vaccinated are more likely to get infected. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to have a serious reaction to it. It just it just means that this is, you know, this is a possibility. We know that there's some immune system issues with uh, some people in the vaccines. Not everybody with some. Uh, Pfizer, of course, was reached out by the Epic Times. They did not respond. Why would they, after all? Why, why would Pfizer respond? So just something for you to take a look at, okay? And uh, you can make the best decision for you and your health. Not telling you what to do. Just believe that you should have all of the data before you make that decision. So there you go. You got a couple of studies there with some some negative negative outcomes. All right. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Don't forget, you can follow me online, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. And also get your tickets to noise. Go to 953mnc.com. If you're in the Fort Wayne audience and, and you like what we do and you want to travel down here like we travel up there for Talk Tank, noise is... Our version of that. And we have it at the uh, the wonderful Learner Theater. Lauren Southern, who I think has paved the way for a lot of young conservative content creators and has become an amazing documentary filmmaker in her own right. She's also a great political commentator. Um, she is going to be joining us on stage. You'll have a unique perspective. Usually we have somebody from TV, but we've never had a filmmaker before. We've never had a reporter or a journalist before. So it's going to be great times. Go to 953MC.com to get your tickets to noise. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Also covering for Pat Miller today on News Talk 1190, WOA, 107.5 FM. Do you want to remind everybody, go to rbcarcompany.com. If you're looking for a newer vehicle, go to rbcarcompany.com. Take a look at their inventory in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City. And they will transfer vehicles between dealerships for you to test drive. You schedule a test drive on their website. Again, R&B Car Company, your used car experts. All right, what do we have here? Oh, this is um, this is a story actually broken by a, a peer of mine in in uh, Nevada. George Knapp broke broke this. Now, George Knapp is an investigative reporter. If any of you listen to Coast to Coast AM, you've probably heard George Knapp fill in on Coast to Coast AM. If you don't know Coast to Coast AM. Um, when Art Bell was doing it, Art Bell was in Pahrump, Nevada. Pahrump, Nevada is right next to Las Vegas. Uh, it's in Nye County, but it's only like half an hour away. So 
George Knapp is an investigative reporter for one of the the I teams in Las Vegas, and he is a big UFO buff. And a lot of his investigative work was about Area 51 and what was going on there. And George Knapp's a good dude. I've interviewed George Knapp many, many times, and I've always enjoyed my conversations with him over the years when I was in talk radio in Las Vegas. So he broke the news over the weekend that the Department of Justice has raided the home of an Area 51 website owner who was allegedly held at gunpoint. The Department of Justice sent federal agents to the home of George Arnoux, and I, and I hope I'm getting his name right. I'm not very familiar with this guy. Now, he lives in Rachel, Nevada, which is right next to where Groom Lake is in Area 51. Um, he is a resident who runs a website dedicated to information about Area 51, and he described the experience as humiliating, adding that the feds held his girlfriend at gunpoint. Local news reporter George Knapp, who, by the way, it, in spite of how you feel about UFOs or anything like that, George Knapp is one whale of an investigative reporter. He's very well-respected, not just in the Las Vegas community, but the news industry in general. George Knapp is very, very good at what he does. So he broke the story on Twitter, uh, writing that FBI agents came down hard on the operator of a popular website devoted to all things Area 51, its programs, lore, legacy, and tons. More than a dozen agents served a no-knock warrant on the Rachel Nevada home of George Arnoux, who is the owner of DreamlandResort.com. So, now, here's the thing. Um, I don't like no-knock raids anyway. But to do a no-knock raid, the whole premise behind a no-knock raid is you believe that somebody is going to flush the evidence against them. So if you're going to do a no-knock raid on a drug operation, if you knock on the door and you go, please, they're worried you're going to go to the toilet and flush everything, there'll be no evidence when they come in. That is the whole premise behind a no-knock raid. Why a no-knock raid for a UFO guy? I mean, even if, even if the guy had some national secrets or something like that, what is the point of a no-knock raid? Strange. Very bizarre. The warrants were served one week ago. Arnu noted on his site that he does not know the reason for the raid or whether specific images of the secret base posted online may have initiated such a vigorous action by federal law enforcement. And George Knapp says that they are continuing to gather more information. So... And again, the, the you know website's fairly well known for anybody in the area who pays attention to Area 51. Um, Dreamland is well known um, in the world. Okay, so yeah, I mean this is this is a fairly large website. You could say it's probably the biggest website devoted to Area 51. Okay, I think that that would be a fair assessment. For 20 years and counting, Dreamland Resort has been the most comprehensive source for information on Area 51, Black Projects, the Nellis Rangers, uh, excuse me, Rangers, uh, TTR, and the ET Highway. Um, extraterrestrial Highway is, is the road there um, where you see a ton of UFO activity. And they actually renamed it ET Highway. It, it used to be called something else. They renamed it. Uh, the webmaster is a 25-year Area 51 research veteran and resident of Rachel, Nevada, right outside of the gates of Area 51 by Groom Lake over there. 
Uh, last Thursday, very early in the morning, my homes in Rachel and in Vegas were searched by a combined team of FBI and Air Force OSI, which is the uh, Office of Special Investigations. I will spare you the details, but it got quite tense and humiliating for me in Rachel and for my girlfriend in Vegas. All my laptops, phones, memory sticks, cameras, drones, and other items were seized, he wrote on the message board. I lost all my data, medical files, financial and tax records, passwords, everything. On top of that, I am stuck with thousands in costs for repairs and replacement of the most essential electronics and expected legal fees. And again, George Knapp reported that the agents held the guy's uh, girlfriend at gunpoint. Uh, he added that uh, he had taken down some content. To the best of my knowledge, I have not broken the law. The search warrants were not very specific, but aerial photos of Area 51 and other installations came up repeatedly. So I have taken those down for now to defuse the situation. This is also something else that's showing up, though, is these broad warrants. We talked about this with Mar-a-Lago. These warrants are not supposed to be overly broad. And one of the things that we told you with the overly broad Mar-a-Lago type warrant where they can just go in and do a fishing expedition, that is not how warrants are supposed to be issued. And if they did it to Trump, they would do it to other people. So it appears that they have done it to this guy as well, that there isn't a specific warrant, that they're not looking for something specific in a specific location as a warrant is supposed to do. Instead, it's, oh, you're the UFO guy. We're going to go to both of your houses and take all of your stuff and look through everything, and we're not going to tell you why. That's not supposed to happen. It's technically unconstitutional. So hopefully he's got some constitutional lawyers knocking on his door and going, yeah, dude, you got a case here, because he doesn't even know what the warrant was about yet. I'm concerned that overzealous government agents may use bogus charges against me to, quote, send a message putting the truth out there cannot hurt. So he, he basically published all of this in order to uh, tell himself that, you know, hey, we're, um, we're just letting you know what's going on. And maybe this will diffuse the situation. I'll take down the aerial photographs since that's what they mentioned while they were, you know, conducting the raid. But they didn't actually tell me what was wrong. He's the fifth journalist to be raided since the Biden-appointed Merrick Garland took over the DOJ. Um, again, last month, the DOJ released a memo announcing significant revisions to the Justice Department's regulations regarding obtaining information from or records of members of the news media, including limited specified circumstances where the DOJ does not need to follow due process to obtain information. And the news media, in talking about it, isn't it interesting how Obama, Obama hacked a journalist Hacked, well, had, he didn't do it himself. I don't think Obama's that bright. But Obama had a journalist computer hacked into, had emails and documents stolen from said journalist. Obama spied on other journalists. Obama harassed other journalists. Obama threatened journalists with criminal charges. News media really didn't say much. There was like a period of like a week where I think they were raising a stink about it and then that kind of went away. Let's not forget that there was, uh, after the Boston Marathon bombing, there was a journalist who shortly after the Boston Marathon bombing was actually searching about pressure cooker bombs because they're doing research for an article and they got raided by Obama's Department of Justice. Now, you might, you might throw in there that, hey, you know, it's after a terrorist attack and, you know, it's okay, it makes sense. 
but you're still allowed to search for stuff on the internet. Conducting a raid on a known journalist doesn't make any sense. But that's what they did. Trump didn't do any of that. And Trump is the guy who single-handedly was destroying freedom of the press. So now Joe Biden has raided the homes of five journalists and has changed the rules to erase due process in certain circumstances to go after journalists. And the news media, who is the target of this, by the way, says nothing. Not a thing. They rolled over and they took it from Obama. And now they're rolling over and taking it from Biden. And all Donald Trump did is say, you lied about me, you're fake news. That's it. And he might have, might as well have been, you know, single-handedly destroying the Constitution and tearing it up as if he were Nancy Pelosi standing behind him at that State of the Union address. So pay attention to this Department of Justice. If you're a reporter, too, pay attention to this. The DOJ is coming for people. And you might say, well, this guy runs a website. He's not a journalist. Yeah, by definition, he is. He absolutely is. That's what he does. He just writes about a very specific niche topic, which is fine. A lot of journalists can do that. Speaking of journalism, <clears throat> what's your major again, Alyssa? Journalism. Hmm. There's some new research about journalism majors in college. We'll talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WOA 107.5 FM. Yeah, it's already happening on the live stream. Everybody knows that when I'm talking about journalists, I have a word for them. They're called journalists. It's uh, pretty much what we've got. doesn't mean that there aren't good journalists. Everybody's stream is a little different. Casey Hendrickson here on 95.3 MNC. Also filling in for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WOA 107.5 FM. Before we move on, please go to 95.3 MNC.com. You're only five days away from noise. You realize it's this weekend? Didn't I promise that I would have at least another sport coat and wear a different sport coat than the one sport coat that I wear? I haven't done that yet. And I probably won't. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. It's probably not going to happen. Um, but I will consider it. But go to 953MNC.com. Click on 953MNC Noise. Get your tickets to Noise. Lauren Southern is going to be here. It's going to be a great time. It's always a fun show. If you are interested in having dinner with Lauren Southern and I after the show, then you can also enter to win tickets for that at 953mnc.com. If you're in the Fort Wayne audience right now, it's not that far of a drive. You know, make it make a make a weekend of it or something. You know, come on down, go go see noise, stay the night, enjoy yourselves. Uh, it'll be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. We look forward to having you here. 953mnc.com. Get your tickets for noise there. November 19th at the Lerner Theater in Elkhart. Okay. Alyssa is a journalist major. I'm staring at a list of the 10 most regretted majors after graduation. And before graduation, she says. <laughs> By a wide margin, number one on the list is journalism. It is the most regretted major. Now, I often cite this study. It's been a long time since this happened. But if you go back, I don't know, a decade, there was a study done at Columbia School of Journalism, which is considered like the quintessential journalism school. Like 
top tier, right? But they asked everybody who is getting their journalism degree, why do you want to become a journalist? And the number one answer was to change the world, not to get to the truth, not to hold the powerful accountable, not to inform the public, none of that. It was to change the world. This is why you have so many activist journalists. And what has happened is in, a, in an era of activist journalism, you have an increase of activist journalism outlets and they hire tons of people and they push out tons of content. And as a result, you, anytime you have a quantity over quality mentality, you're going to have issues. And it's probably one of the biggest reasons we have such a big quality control problem with the industry right now. And that's why when you have real journalists like Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, like Clifton French and Real News Michiana, they stand out. They're very noticeable. When somebody does a good job of being a journalist, they become a lightning rod of hate and everybody knows who they are. And that's because it's so rare to find good journalism now. So I'm assuming that a lot of the regret is that it is an oversaturated market where you don't make a ton of money unless you really do something big and you've been in the business for a while or something like that, or you do something that blows up. Um, journalism is not a profession that you're probably going to make a ton of money in until you put in your dues for a very, very long time, or you get lucky. I mean, it's always possible. Okay? You can always get lucky. So 87% of journalism graduates regret getting that degree. 87%. Number two on the list, sociology. I don't know why you would get a sociology degree other than to go work for a corporation and tell everybody that white people are evil or something. Um, tied with sociology, liberal arts and general studies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you have communications. Oh, by the way, sociology, liberal arts, and general studies, 72% regret getting that degree. Then you have communications, 64% regret getting a communications degree. That was the, um, so I think journalism and sociology are the big ones now. When I was in high school, communications and psychology were the big ones. Everybody wanted to get a psychology degree. Everybody wanted to get a communications degree because they thought that's how they were going to make money. And almost all of them regretted it. So communications is still up there. Now, you can find work with a communications degree. It's just that it's a really oversaturated, highly competitive arena. And if you're not really good at it, you're not going to compete. 61% regretted their education degree. 60% regretted their marketing management and research degree. That's going to come down. Here's the thing. A marketing management research degree is something that is probably not going to make you a lot of money if you work for somebody else unless like you get lucky or you're really good at it. But it is something that if you're going to start your own business would be very beneficial. 58% regret a medical or clinical assisting degree. We told you to watch out for that trend many years ago as the Obamacare fiasco started happening. More and more doctors were getting out of the field. 56 Political science and government. Yeah. Um, people who have a political science degree 
tend to believe, you can go, this goes with liberal arts and sociology as well, but people with a political science degree in particular tend to believe that they are the smartest human beings in the history of the world. And I can attest they are some of the dumbest. Not everybody, but a good chunk of them, pretty dumb. 52% regret a biology degree. Found that surprising, actually. And another 52% uh, regretted an English language and literature degree, which, of course, makes no sense unless you're going to be a teacher. So those are your top 10 most regretted college majors. Yeah. And um, good chunk of that list, most of that list, you don't even need a degree to get into that field. So something to consider as well. Uh, but the STEM fields will pay the most. They did go into that research as well. I don't think that that is surprising that the STEM fields will pay the most, uh, considering the uh, engineering aspect of it, even though engineering is only one facet of STEM. All right, folks, Casey Hendrickson here, 95.3 MNC, also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, WOWA 107.5 FM. There's usually a fight because this happens in November, and I don't shave in November, hence the stuff. Um, I mean, I would... If, I, if it were easy for me to grow a beard, I would grow a beard all the time. But I have this weird, really scraggly face. And if John had his way, he would have me shave before noise. But he doesn't have his way because I don't care. But, but Although I might. Who knows? It may, may trim it up. We'll, we'll see how it all comes together. Um, but, yeah, no, there, there's no dress code to win anything as far as I, I know. I don't see a dress code thing on there. But, but again, I haven't filled out the form to win dinner with myself and Lauren Southern because I will already be there. So I apologize if I don't know all of the process of entering to win that dinner. But if you would like to have dinner with Lauren Southern and me, along with the rest of the MNC crew, including Alyssa, she'll be there too, then go to 953mnc.com. Buy your tickets to Noise and enter to win dinner afterwards. We would love to have you. And it, here's the thing. It's at Antonio's. So for those of you in Fort Wayne, you don't know what Antonio's is, but Antonio's is the best pizza in the world. And there's going to be some of you out there who are like, nah, not true. And here's, here's the thing, though. Everybody thinks that they know where the best pizza joint is, right? Right, Alyssa? Everybody does. How many of them have multiple gold medals with not just the national pizza championships, but the international pizza championships. How many of them? How You've never had Antonio's? Oh, you're in for a treat. How, how, many, how many of your pizza joints out there have gold medals for that? Because Antonio's has lots of them, like year after year after year after year. And now his daughter is winning them. So, yeah, they make the best pizza. Now, it's not just a pizza joint. It's a very nice Italian restaurant that just happens to be the best at making pizza, um, single-handedly defeating all of Italy because that's just who they are. They're amazing. But, yeah, Antonio's is a fantastic place. And Paul will do his best to try and kill us with the food that he gives us because he he's getting better at it, but he inevitably tries to give us too much food because he's just that good of a host. But he's getting better at that. Um, he's reducing those portions to where... We now just leave comfortable, <laughs> which is nice, but just amazing, amazing food. For those of you who are going to be there, now, for those who aren't going to be there, then, you know, at least you can be at the Learner Theater on the 19th with us and enjoying the show, which is an interactive show. You get to submit questions and talk with us, which we would absolutely love you to do. 953mnc.com or thelearner.com to get your tickets to noise. Again, a special guest this year is Lauren Southern. I look forward to seeing you all there.
All right, what do we have? All right, Andy Biggs, Representative Andy Biggs. He wrote an article here. He's, he's a congressman from Arizona, but he wrote an article in the Daily Caller News Foundation titled, Pandemic Amnesty? Not so fast. Of course, we talked about the fiasco that was the amnesty situation in um, in the Atlantic. So the Atlantic had basically gone out there and said, hey, we were wrong about everything. Can we just, like, you know, forgive each other? No. No, you can't. You destroy people's lives. You destroy people's lives, and now you want forgiveness for it. No. So this is what um, Andy Biggs said. Come January, House Republicans will need to immediately reverse the Democrats' disastrous policies to get our country back in good shape. My America First contract outlines a number of areas that help us get there, but one important area that cannot be dismissed is conducting enhanced oversight on harmful COVID bureaucrats. They cannot be let off the hook so easily. A recent column in The Atlantic suggested that America forgive and forget the healthcare bureaucrats and politicians that violated our rights, exacerbated the effects of COVID, and imposed or proposed sanctions that killed people, destroyed lives, and centralized power into the hands of government. Hey, never forget not only what they did to you, what they did to your kids, what they did to the country, to the world, but never forget that they forced people to die alone, away from their family. Never forget that. We just had a woman running for office here who proposed and celebrated a lot of those policies, and her communications director was hoping that COVID publicly, on their social media, was hoping that COVID had killed enough Republicans here that Democrats would be able to win local elections here in Michiana. I'm pleased to say that that woman lost and that there was a red wave in St. Joseph County, Indiana. But that is still a belief that is held by many of them. And no, there's no forgiveness for that. After all, the writer pleads, there really was no intended harm. Deborah Burks, the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator, confessed to lying and manipulating data for the American public. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think that we overplayed the vaccines, Burke said. Of course, we now know that Pfizer lied as well. She and her friends at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, along with Joe Biden, told Americans that the vaccine protects against the spread of illness. They also claimed that it would keep people, some, keep people from catching it. Burks later admitted in her new book that she manipulated data and quietly altered CDC guidance without authorization to hide information from Donald Trump. Burks's friend, the infamous Dr. Anthony Fauci, sad little man, was also accused of lying to Congress and the American people. A report found that Fauci initially resisted a Trump-era order to cancel a controversial research grant from the National Institutes of Health linked to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, even though he claimed otherwise. Fauci has also denied his involvement with school closures. However, his own statements suggest otherwise. On at least six occasions, he unequivocally advocated for these shutdowns. He actually bragged about getting the, the school shutdowns, and now he's denying that he ever did it. The impacts of the response to COVID will be felt for generations and far more deeply than the actual disease. In this case, the cure may have been far worse than the disease. It's true. The data seems to show that. 
The 2020 elections were impacted. The inflation that we feel today is largely driven by Biden's continued demand to put multiple trillions of excess dollars into the economy. Long after the epidemic had passed, some estimate that there is more than half a trillion in fraud in the distribution of relief funds, which we covered earlier in the show. Again, this is Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona. Don't say we didn't know early on. We knew several things. Children were not likely to catch, to be seriously harmed, or to transmit COVID. We knew that elderly were the most vulnerable and needed to be protected more than the rest of the population. We knew that the efficacy of masks was as dubious as decades of studies had shown. And we knew that herd immunity was something long accepted in scientific community. Don't say that this is armchair quarterbacking. Credible voices of scientists and doctors and even some politicians who declaimed against draconian lockdowns that were his, uh, hypocritically violated by Democrats, were all censored. Those who warned of spiking of mental illness and suicides were hooted off to the public stage. Hooted off of the public stage. He goes into several other things, laying out his, his case here. But he ends this way. He goes, the request for an amnesty is a typical left-wing effort to protect themselves from the fallout of their dangerous policies and practices. Nothing to see here. Move along. The left never wants to be responsible for their inane and dangerous policies. Everyone else gets to pay the price of their malevolent social experiments while the purveyors of their lunacy continue along their path, leaving in their wake destruction and ruin. This is an old ploy by Saul Alinsky and his adherents For instance, we've never gotten to the root of Benghazi. Hillary's compromising of national security all the times that she did this. The IRS's attack on conservative and religious nonprofits, Fast and Furious, Eric Holder, etc. There cannot be amnesty here, as there is absolutely no remorse. The left is only hoping that it won't be exposed and held to account for its destructive anti-American policies. Congressman Biggs is obviously 100% correct here. And I know that my audience who has listened to me and the Fort Wayne audience who heard me during COVID already knows my track record on this. I would like to say this, though. Representative Andy Biggs, Republican of Arizona, today seemed to signal that he's going to challenge McCarthy for the speakership of the House. Will he win? Probably not. But at least somebody is stepping up to say enough is enough. This D.C. swamp nonsense has got to end. I wish him luck. I don't think it'll be successful, but I certainly hope that it is. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. Oh, I hate to end on a commercial, but such is the life of somebody as popular as I am. So I got to tell you about Faber's Bee Window. <laughs> Wipe the disgusted look off your face. <laughs> uh, see, the Fort Wayne audience, I don't know if they know the don't you know who I am story and why I say things like that. But nonetheless, um, Faber's Bee Window applies to everybody who's listening right now. Go to bwindow.com right now. Black Friday sale. Up to 52% off, 10% manufacturer rebates, plus 22 months, no interest and no payments. They don't just do windows, though. They do doors, they do patio conversions, bathroom remodels and conversions, gutters, and even handyman repairs. 
Go to Faber's B Window online at bwindow.com. Set up your appointment there. And of course, let them know that you're there because of this show. I'd appreciate it. Get your tickets for Noise, whether you're uh, in Fort Wayne or if you're in Michiana. Go get your tickets at Noise at 953mnc.com or thelearner.com. Just go to 953, though. You have an opportunity to enter to win dinner with Lauren Southern and myself and the entire MNC gang. We'd love to have you. 953mnc.com. Get those tickets November 19th at The Learner. Noise 2022. Look forward to seeing you all out there. Love noise every single year. Bill O'Reilly's up next telling you what I told you last week. We'll see you tomorrow.